Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Wrestling with Fatherhood podcast. I'm glad that you're here. Wrestling with Fatherhood is all about equipping dads to discover their strengths, understand their value, develop their goals, and live out their dreams to become their children's biggest heroes. Man, we live in a world, we live in a society today where we need men who can teach boys how to be men. We have a society today where we need to be training and leading, and that is why I'm so pleased and, and so happy to introduce my guest today, Mr. Brian Street. Brian, thank you for being with us. Oh, it is my pleasure, Matt. Uh, completely my pleasure. Anytime I'm able to be in your presence, it's a blessing. So thank you for having me. I appreciate the kind words. So, Brian, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, um, Brian Street, born and raised in South Mississippi. Uh, <clears throat> I went off to college right after high school. Had some ups and downs, um, actually got kicked out of college for a little bit where I spent some time working out in an industrial oil, oil um, refinery and eventually got things back on track, went back to school, graduated with two degrees, one in psychology, one in Spanish. And throughout that time, um, I actually married my, I guess you would say college sweetheart. She was the, um, the first... I guess the first, I would say the first real girlfriend that I ever had. And she is the mother of my 11 year old son. And as of recent, my, well, tomorrow, my, my five year old daughter. And we've been married, we've been married since, oh, since 2011, been together since 06. And, you know, I'm just loving life, living from what I feel is in my purpose to be able to provide for, for my family, to be that leader for my family, but also for the surrounding community and those who are looking up to me. Man, that's awesome. I love your story and I love what you're doing. You know, one of the things that, you know, and, and Brian's a humble guy, so he doesn't talk about how he, he's, he's training leaders to change the world. He's involved in several different programs. Uh, he's involved in, uh, some different, uh, you know, paid programs, a rich way. He's involved in uh, some community projects and speaking in colleges and different things like that. So he's really taking the initiative to go out training leaders to change the world. So Brian, let me ask you, what makes someone a great leader? Well, I'll come at that with two approaches. Um, first, you said great. You, you, you quantified or you qualified it as a great leader. So great would be relative to what you look at as great, depending on what it is that you value in life. So if you are looking for a leader that values similar things that you value, it's going to be someone that's out there doing it. Someone that's out there making a difference in the space that you feel a difference needs to be made in. They're doing it in, 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 in large volume. They're doing it with a pleasing mental attitude and they're doing it at high quality. So someone that is actually doing what it is that they are saying 
others should be doing, but they're being the leader. They're being the, the individual that's, that's being the example instead of just pointing a finger to go out and, and make it happen. Lots of people will get a, a boss or a manager or whatever mixed up with the leader. But just because you're a boss doesn't make you a leader because sometimes a boss just sits back and barks out orders. But a leader is someone that's going to do it first, teach you how to do it, coach you on doing it, hold your hand while you're trying to do it, and continue to stay there with you and support you until you get it right. Man, I absolutely love that coaching and teaching and helping you with it. So how does this become, you know, how does this being a great leader, how does that transition when you're talking to being a great leader when it comes to your marriage and to your children? <clears throat> well, um, that's, it takes an art really. And it takes prior planning. And I'll tell you, it's, it's been a challenge for me because when I met my wife, I wasn't a good leader. I was not a good leader at all. She actually was um, in the leadership role in lots of things that were happening in my life because I was just at that maturity level or immaturity level to where I didn't take, I didn't take life serious and a couple of different categories where I should have been more on top of my game. So I really, I, I, I liken it to already having a mindset before you meet your, 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 your better, your better half before you meet your your significant other having a mindset of what it is that you value in life what it is that you value what type of character it is that you seek to exude and then you don't just talk about it but you walk it out every single day you exemplify it you show it in how you present yourself everywhere you go you show it in how you talk to people you show it in how you treat people and then you by doing that by default you are being that good leader, that great leader for your family. You're being that great leader for your, your kids, for your wife. And sometimes it comes with making hard decisions. There's going to be things that you and your wife um, disagree on. And it's all about having that decision and you letting her know why you're coming from your approach. But at the same time, you're being man enough to understand and listen to her approach as well. And then as a, as a, as a cohesive unit, you're coming to a compromise, you're coming to a conclusion that's overall going to benefit the betterment of you and your family. But you understanding that being the man of the house, you should make sure that your, your wife has a clear understanding of why you really feel like whatever your opinion is, whatever your reasons behind what you're doing is going to benefit the family. But then you hold up your end of the bargain by going out and taking care of business to ensure that she's not going to have reasons to doubt your desires to do certain things in the future. Man, I absolutely love that. So uh, you said you had a son that's 11 years old. What are you doing to instill these different leadership qualities uh, in your son and even in your daughter? Well, um, my daughter, as of right now, since she's only, she's four, she'll be five tomorrow. So her mind hasn't really developed to a state to where she can really take in what I'm telling her and a leadership concept and, and actually start to apply it. She's still in those formative stages, but my son is at a, is at an age where he, he understands very well. Um, he picks up on, on clues. On, he, he, the guy is very intuitive and I'm just so proud to be his dad because he's done so many things in life already that I only dreamt of after I was out in college. This guy is like, he's a little, 
a little genius. And, you know, I, 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 I give all glory to the highest because, you know, I know it wasn't all my doing, but at the same time, I aim to be the absolute best version of myself around him so that he understands where the bar is so that he understands that it doesn't matter what you want to do in life. It doesn't matter which direction you choose. As long as you are upholding your integrity, you're embracing who you uniquely are. You're not allowing any negative exterior influences to dictate how you lead your life. Then that is going to be here for you. And I'm, I'm very proud to say he was in a competition where pretty much he was, he was tested on holding his composure and, and uh, high pressure situations, how to pre present yourself as a professional, job interview type of um, scenarios, etiquette. He was in a competition at his school and only two students were chosen. He and another um, young lady were chosen to go to national. So he would be at the national competition at the end of February. And looking at the things that he had to go through, listening to my wife mention the scenarios, it, it just, it, it spoke to me. And it made me so proud of the things that I do when I have him in my presence, when I take him to some of my meetings, when I introduce myself to some of my, my colleagues, and I'm talking senior colleagues, I'm talking directors and deans and people who, you know, really have lots of responsibility. I allow him to see me do that so that he knows that I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. You're never too young to teach. You're never too old to learn. Never allow anybody's authority to, to cause you to feel less of yourself. Man, I absolutely love that. I love the, uh, the attitude in which your son just, it sounds like he, he really enjoys learning. He enjoys uh, modeling after his dad and, and that's a great place to be. Um, you know, we, uh, we talk, you know, as men, we need to be that male role model. There was a meme on Facebook not too long ago that talked about how uh, a man said, uh, son, be careful where you step. And the son goes, well, dad, be careful where you walk because I walk in your footsteps. Mm. And I think as men, we often forget that our children are following along after us. And they're trying to, you know, they're, they're walking in our footsteps. And they're modeling their behavior, their leadership after what they see in each one of us. So I think that, you know, the, your, your son accomplishing his goals and, and understanding leadership, I think that's just a, a small a testament to uh, what he sees and he models after his mom and dad. So uh, awesome job on that. So one of the things that you talked about uh, in a couple of your different answers is, you know, the, the leadership that you have to take and, and how your, your children model after you. So what steps do you personally take to develop yourself into the type of person who can lead others? <clears throat> well, first uh, I look at the others that I seek to lead because there are certain people in our society that we have to realize they just aren't ready to be led. They're not at a, at a place in their life to where they even care what anyone else says. So I have to be in a place where I don't allow that person's reactions to what it is that I do affect me. And, <clears throat> and um, you know, after that, just allow myself to become as culturally sensitive, as culturally um, relevant, as culturally knowledge on the various different lifestyles, the various different 
perspectives of so many people that may be watching me allow myself to become educated in their area so that if I'm having a conversation with one person about the exact same topic that I had with the person before them, I don't bring that last conversation to this conversation. I allow this conversation to be unique with that person because each and every one of us, you know, we have a different, a different life that we're living and we see things through various different lenses. So just continuing to educate myself on various different job sectors, various different demographics, various different things in life, period, continuing to educate myself and realize that regardless of how educated I get, regardless of how much training I receive, how much coaching I, I, I give out, I'm always needing to refill my cup. I'm always needing to, to, to learn something new. And I want to say it was you that showed me a video about a year ago of a gentleman speaking on how you have to be filled up and using marbles or something, and it showed once you are filled up to a certain capacity, you start to overflow and you can fill up other people. But so many of us will get on this on this pedestal where I'm Mr. High and Mighty. I got all this education. I got all this knowledge. So I'm just going to go out there and just, just preach to the world and teach everybody else. But we're not allowing ourselves to be refilled. And I just aim to consistently, consistently, consistently be refilled so that I can pour into others and just do as I, or yes, do as I say, and don't say it if I don't mean it, because that's the quickest way to tarnish reputation, regardless if it's leadership or not, is going out and saying all these different things that you're going to do, but you don't uphold your end of the bargain. So just being careful in, in what I put out there as far as how much I actually know, how much I'm actually willing to do, and just walking it. And, and the primary thing, one of the most one of the most primary things is just really embracing who you are and not allowing, specifically in today's day, not allowing social media or even popular um, media or, or mainstream media, not allowing any exterior forces to dictate who you are. Embrace your uniqueness and you will attract to you those who need to be in your circle, those who deserve to be in your circle and those that are going to add to your life. Man, that's awesome. I absolutely love that. Embrace your uniqueness. You know, you, you started to touch on it and, and uh, I, I didn't really prepare you for, for uh, this specific question, but I know you're, uh, you're good with it. You'll take it and you'll run with it. And you know what? It's part of leadership. During the fatherhood summit that we had uh, a month ago now, we, the two of us talked about how to be a leader amongst controversy. In the United States, at least, we can look around and, and we have people who love and we have people who hate the president based on different things, different beliefs, different values, different morals. Now, thank the good Lord that this is not a politics podcast. <laughs> yeah, thank the good Lord. But what it is, is it is a podcast to call out men to lead and to lead their families to take up this awesome responsibility uh, for our children. Now, one of the things that as a leader, we need to understand is we need to understand how to lead amongst controversy. Uh, anyone who's not watching this video, uh, Mr. Brian Street uh, is, is a black man. Uh, I'm white. And as anyone who's lived in the United States knows, there is a huge race war right now 
going on. So Brian, talk to us a little bit about how you take that leadership role. And during the summit, you, you talked about how you, when you're talking to your children, because of what your children have seen on the, on social media and stuff, they, they can get to the point where they're afraid of police officers. And I loved what you said in the, in the summit about when you see a police officer, you try to take it amongst yourself to point out that they're heroes and that they are people to be respected, that they're people to, uh, that they're people not to be, not to be feared, especially if you're not doing anything wrong. So talk to us a little bit about how, as dads, how do we take leaderships, the leadership role amongst controversy? Well, um, I'll, I'll start off speaking on in the perspective of a dad, and then I'll just go general. Um, as a dad, I, I really aim to, I really aim to teach my children to respect anyone of authority, even if they aren't of authority. Respect everyone. Never never impose any type of negative judgments on anyone until you get to know them. Uh, when it comes to law enforcement, uh, I want to say I shared a semblance of this on the on the um, the summit. Is there was this there was this this occasion where I was driving down the road. And I was with my daughter, and she heard police sirens, and she says something like, "Daddy, it's the police! Go faster! Go faster! We got to get away! They're the bad guys!" And I had to to tell her, "No, like, why are the police the bad guys? Like, who told you that?" And she said, "Well, they take people to jail." And I said, yeah, they take the bad guys to jail. And then she's like, but, but they might try to get us. And then I tell her, like, look, if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't have any reason to be afraid of the police. And it's just been instilled into our culture because of various different instances. You know, there's another thing that I teach my kids is the fact that regardless of what you do, regardless of where you live, regardless of, of anything, there's gonna be good people and bad people in all spaces. There's good cops, there's bad cops. There's good cousins, there's bad cousins. There's, there's good parents, there's not so good parents. But you have to understand that you can't judge that person just based off of the actions of who's been had, having the spotlight cast on them, so to say. So um, really, you know, just being that, that basic with my kids as far as letting them know this person isn't automatically bad because they look the same or they do the same as far as a profession as this person over here that may have done something bad. So one of the things that I do is whenever I'm in public and I see a law enforcement officer or someone you know, wearing some type of authoritative um, uniform, I'll make it a mission to speak to them, you know, shake their hands and thank them for what they do and let my kids see me doing that because the more you show other individuals that may have seen people that look like you through a negative lens in the past the more you bring positivity to them the more you're going to dilute that negative perspective that they have on others so that's one thing that i really instill into my into my children and you know my son he's at the age to where you know he's he understands this whole thing but then when we look at older populations, so many people have had life experiences that they only were able to view through their lenses. You, Matt, you see the world completely different than I see it. Me being a black man, there's things that I've, I've gone through where I have had people observing me, where I've had 
or I literally would see women clutching their purse just because I walked by. And I would see other guys walk by that, according to societal norms, weren't as um, aggressive or stereotypically aggressive, and they, they wouldn't flinch. And in one sense, I could have some type of negative feelings towards her, but at the same time, I don't know what she's experienced. I don't know what she's gone through. So how can I cast judgment on her without expecting her to cast judgment onto me? So it's just really getting to know people. And oftentimes I will see someone that is completely different than myself. And we'll just go, just, just be completely transparent. I'll see a white woman that looks like someone that I would never be in you know, the same circle with. And I'll just make it a mission to speak to her to hold a quick little conversation and ask her how her day is, hold the door open for her, ask her what floor she's going to on the elevator so I can push the button to for her or whatever, and just show her that not all people of color are like those people that you're seeing in the streets that the post or that the, the, the um, mainstream media wants to continue to put the spotlight on. You know, there's those of us that are doing great things in the community, while at the same time, not all white people are racist that hate black people. So until we can have that conversation, until we can actually develop that rapport and understanding and respect for one another, we're really not going to get past this whole race thing that society is placing upon us. So I have to have conversations with people like yourself who haven't had, who hasn't had similar experiences to me as a black man to make you understand why I look at some things the way I look at some things. And then the same thing, vice versa. You know, I have to understand why you approach some things in life the way you do by allowing you to, to, to dialogue that with me. And specifically when it comes to our president, Donald Trump, before he became president and some of his personal, um, his personal opinions started to really go out, you know, in the broad, you know, um, the society period, I really looked up to him as, as a business leader. You know, lots of his philosophies in business, if you apply them the right way and use proper strategies, they're very good. And, you know, I even, you know, I even would post quotes every so often that, um, you know, his quotes and people would assume that I agree with, with his, his personal perspective on various different areas in life simply because of that specific area of his life that I did have agreements on. So <clears throat> one thing that that I did, um, and you can go back through through the archive of my videos. <clears throat> November, the, what is it? Election is on the 8th, and then, I think it's 8th. Anyway, it's the day after elections. Whenever we knew, okay, he is our next president. I put out a, um, a video, and in that video, I discuss how we're supposed to be the United States of America, but we're nowhere near truly being united. And I mentioned how I have friends that live all around the world that look at us and they ask us, like, how can you call yourself the United States? Like, you guys hate each other. And I had, I had, I had to, you know, just to discuss the fact that until we actually understand people that aren't like us, that don't think like us, that, that don't know us, until we can actually get to where we have that dialogue and understand we're never going to really be united. We're never really going to be able to to live in, in harmony, regardless of what our political views are. You know, we have to understand that you're never gonna be able to appease everyone. 
but you should at least be able to civilly disagree with everyone. You know, if you don't agree with them, civilly disagree. And, and that's just where so many people get caught up. If you disagree with someone, you got to make it blatant. You got to just throw it out there and be all flamboyant with it. No, like just have a civil disagreement and see where you do agree and how you can work in those spaces where you do agree. So um, that's the way I look at, at Donald Trump. There's lots and lots and lots of things that he has said that I don't agree with. Um, there's lots of things that that I feel he isn't as educated on that he goes out and speaks about that I don't agree with. But instead of just tearing him down, I aim to have dialogue with people who may believe that because they didn't go out and do the research, research as well. But at the same time, I allow them, if they have done research, to articulate to me why they come from the perspective that they come from. Because it's all about understanding. Understanding, um, respect, and knowing how to civilly disagree. And if you want to be a leader, you have to be able to do all of those things. Yeah, man, I completely agree. And I love this idea that you talked about how uh, you talked a couple of really great gold nuggets right there. You talked about, you know, respecting authority, whether you agree with them or you disagree with them. Uh, you know, it's our job to, to respect the authority. You know, there's going to be, you know, you mentioned, you know, good cops, bad cops, good parents, bad parents. And taking your kids to a place and letting them know not to judge all of a certain group of people based on a small group of people's actions. <laughs> Trying to say 100% neutral and, 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 and saying this, but like, I, I love what you're talking about as far as just get to know people, like get to know who they are. Um, you know, obviously uh, there's, there's, there's stereotypes and there's a lot of people who don't fit into those specific stereotypes. Talk to us a little bit about how we can fight against this, the, the, the stereotypes of being, you know, the, the typical white man or the typical black <clears throat> man and how fighting against those stereotypes make a good influence and it, it teaches our children to lead better. I, <clears throat> I like to say, um, as an adult, how we can do that is if you utilize, um, just go into the internet and search social gatherings. Um, and is there's a certain specific population that you're looking to learn more about. See where they have a social gathering, a social gathering that's an open invite. And maybe you can go and you, you may be the only black person in there. You may be the only white person, you know, if it's a black gathering. But you let them know up front, look, there are some things that I just really want to know more about. Like I want to grow myself and be able to help people around me grow, but I can't until I really understand. So I just would love to come and hang out, learn a little bit more about you guys. You guys learn a little bit more about me and we'll just see, you know, where we can take it. Who, who knows? And um, I'll give a, a specific example for myself. <clears throat> it was 20, 2010, um, 2010, 2011. I, was part of the international programs um, department at my university of Southern Mississippi. And they were putting together this, this program called communication partners. So lots of people who came to our university came to learn English from all over the world. So they will link us together with people from other parts of the world just to have, have conversations and allow them to practice their English. And in the, in that, um, that time I was linked up with 
three different guys from Saudi Arabia. And before then, the only thing that I really knew about people of a Muslim faith, people from the Middle East, like what was painted in my brain was, okay, 9-11. Those people are against us. Those type of people have certain beliefs that are all about killing us. Like that's what media painted in my mind. But thankfully, I didn't allow that to really permeate and, and, and be internalized into my belief system. But what I did do is I had this broad stereotypical view of what most people from that part of the world were like. And I began to build these relationships with these guys from Saudi Arabia. And they completely debunked so many just beliefs that were completely fabricated that I had. And they, they just really gave me an insight on on their, ray, their way of life, at least the peaceful. Obviously, you have your extremists. In any type of society, you have your extremists. <laughs> yep. So there's, there's extremists in, that, in, their, in, their, um, in their society, just as there are extremists in our society. So they gave me an insight on the life of good people from that part of the world. And it just really helped me embrace so much more their culture and certain aspects of their culture which I, I never would have been able to do had I not had that engagement with them. And my university, well, my undergraduate and master's um, university is a very diverse university because people come there to learn language. So lots of people will come, they will have children, and their children will go into the you know, childcare system. So now my son, he grew up with kids from India, from all over the world, learning various different languages, all different shades of the rainbow. And he learned at a young age to accept people that were different. My son is biracial. My wife is Latin. She's from, uh, from Bolivia and South America. So even here in the States, he's different from both of our family. So he's different from my family. He's different from her, from her family. And teaching him how to live how to live at peace in multiple different cultures gives him more respect for other people who are trying to assimilate to our culture or live within their culture and the confines of our culture. So just understanding and, and, and embracing what's different about you. And even if there's something practiced in a different religion that you may feel like, I don't know about that, but it's not hurting anyone. Don't be judgmental on it maybe agree to disagree but don't cast judgment just because it's not something that you grew up with and we have to realize that we are who we are because of where we were born and who we were born to and until we actually decide to make a this to make a, a choice to go a different way we're only going to know what it is that was ingrained in us from where we were born and who we were born to so we have to respect that and allow people time to seek change and to build into that change or grow into that change, but at the same time realize that we're not perfect either. So we need to understand that we need to change. We need to continue to grow. So um, I guess that answered your question. Man, I could not agree with you more. I think it is about getting around those people that are a little different than what you are. You know, getting around the people who, uh, you know, have different beliefs, different values than what you do. It's about getting around people who, uh, who are from a different culture than what you are. And one of the fascinating, the awesome things about the United States is that we have this opportunity to learn from each other. And 
the opportunity to learn from each other is such an undervalued uh, education tool. It, it's it's incredible to to learn about other cultures, to learn about uh, you know the different things that other people have gone through, and it's you know it's it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, so, <clears throat> kind of backing up a little bit uh, with you being so busy. Uh, we mentioned earlier that you're you're a public speaker, that you're involved in different organizations, that you're. Uh, you're in your PhD program, you're, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, how do you create time to spend with both your wife and your children? Well, um, that's a good question. Um, lots of people ask that. And I honestly, um, it's kind of twofold. There's, um, there's, there's one mentor of mine that often says, if you have a strong enough why, the how will take care of itself. So I, I really have deep, deeply rooted burning passions to be successful in what I'm doing so that I can go out and serve the masses because of that, just that deep burning passion to see that there is change that is implemented in their lives and they are set up to be successful in the future. They are set up to have opportunities that they could only dream about or that they didn't even have any type of, of conception that was even possible to dream about to go out and expose that to the masses but at the same time to be that example of what my children have the potential to be and that they don't have to settle for anything they can dream the most just audacious ridiculous dreams and actually go out and pursue them knowing that there is a possibility that that could happen someday but until you actually go out and do it push yourself make sacrifices here and there, you're not going to be able to do it. So that's, you know, it's my why that kind of pushes me to, to find time. But then at the same time, it's, it's developing a sense of organization and prioritization. So when I came into, well, you mentioned them earlier, um, personal enrichment coaching program I'm part of, where time management is really stressed in the program. And we have teachings on breaking down our 168 hours in a week. Before I came into this program, I didn't even think about the fact that there were 168 hours in a week. So what I've been able to do, and I had an Excel sheet right here in my office space where I had a breakdown of pretty much every single hour within those 168 hours, pretty much the tasks that I do in that, in that time frame. And when I first put together that breakdown, I want to say I had like, 30 plus hours that were not accounted for. So obviously we have to think about commuting. We have to think about walking from here and there, taking a shower. Some of the things that aren't like fixed into our schedule, those things probably take up, you know, a handful of hours throughout the, um, throughout the day. But I realized that I still had so much idle time that I really wasn't taking advantage of. So I looked at where I could fit in some more productive activity and how I could at certain points of the year, depending on how busy things are, limit my sleep patterns or structure my sleep patterns to where I got just enough to function optimally, but I didn't just oversleep and realize that sleep from this time to this time, get up, go hard, go hard, go hard on what I got to take care of and not to take a nap. And to be an adult and be able to take a nap in the middle of the day sometimes, <laughs> 
that is quite nice, but you can't do that unless you have control of your time. So one lesson that I, I'll, I'll throw out there is get you some type of calendar where you place in that calendar what you want to be doing, where you wanting to use your time so that somebody isn't going to randomly just call you up and you end up spending an hour and a half on the phone and it completely takes away from your productivity in another space. And I'm telling you, it's going to, it's going to make some friction between you and the people who you were connected with that may have been pulling you away from productivity because they're going to think they can just call you up anytime and you're going to answer and spend forever on the phone. So I've got tons of people that call me and I don't answer it because I know, all right, 15 more minutes and I have to go and make sure I work on this assignment. I have to be in this class. I have a meeting with this professor. If I get on the phone with this person, we're not going to be able to get any type of substance conversation. And if we do, and then I cut them off, that's going to, you know, bring some type of friction in that relationship. So let them know, look, shoot me a text message beforehand and let's pencil out a time where we can like actually give each other our full attention. And whenever you have control of your time like that, life can be so much more liberating and you realize that you're actually in control and you're not allowing everyone else to control it. Yeah, definitely. I was reading through the uh, four hour work week by Tim Ferriss and he was talking about this, this time management and, you know, he even goes through and, and talks about, you know, whether you should take texts, whether you should take emails. Uh, when people call, he, he gets straight to the point. He doesn't do a lot of small talk. It's about how he can be productive and then being productive, he can go and he can be productive with his, uh, you know, with his family. I, I don't know if he's married and have kids, but he can have and spend the time with the things that are really valuable uh, to him. So as we start to wrap up, um, what is your biggest struggle in being a dad and how did, did you get through that struggle? Well, um, I'm, I'm getting better at it now, but really my biggest struggle over the years has, as a father has, um, you know, just being consistent in my actions around my kids because I inherently have, um, have an anger issue. And it stems from, from previous generations. <clears throat> and it used to come out in the earlier part of my marriage whenever my son was, uh, was, a, was a toddler. And I had to get it under wraps to be the father that I wanted to be for my kids and also to be the, the husband that my wife deserves. So that has been my biggest or was my biggest battle. And things like that that are, are inherent <clears throat> You know, they, you can, you can use certain coping mechanisms to hold them at bay for extended periods of time, but there's always going to be something that pushes your button that sends you over the edge. So being able to, to remain self-aware when I'm getting to that point and removing myself from the equation, temporarily removing myself from allowing myself to get across that threshold, um, and then exemplifying that with my kids and letting my son know, like he'll see me about to get worked up, but then I'll remove myself. I'll stop talking and I'll come back later and I'll address the situation. So having conversation with him after that, because there's been times where I pop off on him. Like he do something that I disagreed with or just something. And I would just erupt, 
you know, I'm yelling at him, sending him to his room, and I see how it emotionally scars him, and I don't want that to happen with him because I've seen how that damaged so many individuals throughout life. So if I see myself trickle into that that specific space, I make sure that I come down off of my whatever is going on, and I go have a conversation. I explain what happened, why I reacted the way I did, and it was the wrong reaction, and I want him to learn from that. I want him to learn and look at how he felt when I did that to make sure that he doesn't carry those same traits on and continues to reinforce those traits as he gets older. So using my flaws as a teaching moment and using my, my, my positivity, using my, my good areas as, um, as the example, that's how I would say I, I deal with that specific area. You're still muted. Man, I love right. one of the things that you said, uh, and that is, you know, when you feel yourself getting worked up, when you feel yourself getting aggravated and mad, understanding that you need to take a second to breathe, to take a second to, to address things, to get your mind right. That way, when you come back and you're talking to your wife or to your children, you can tell them and, and talk to them and, and that leadership and that respect of and, uh, and that, that learning and teaching attitude. I really love that. And I think that's something that as men, we can definitely, uh, that we can definitely learn from and, and uh, to, to do a little bit better on. Uh, so what advice would you personally give to someone who wants to be a better husband? Someone who wants to be a better husband, um, listen to your wife. Listen to your wife, but don't listen to your wife just for listening sake. Listen to your wife to understand her perspective. Listen to your wife to understand how certain things that you do impact her listen to your wife because she has worth as well she has things that she she aspires to be she has things that she aspires to do and she may be putting them on back burner simply to allow you to go after your aspirations listen to her so that you can figure out how you can continue to go for what you really want but you can include her you can incorporate her into your plans and you can make sure that she understands that she's supported by you. Because in today's society, you're not saying that, that you, you chose an easily swayed wife, but in today's society, there's always somebody out there, somebody eyeballing what you have. And if you aren't treating your wife the way that she deserves to be treated, it's that much easier for that other somebody to come in and swoop her up. And you know, just with that being said, from the very beginning of, of going into a relationship, and even if you've been in a relationship from, for a while, just call and time out, having a conversation, having a dialogue with, okay, in the next five years, where do you wanna be? Both of you sharing that, where do you wanna be? How can I help you get there? How can we work together to get there? What is that going to look like for us as a family, as opposed to individually? And start today to plan out that future, whereas so many of us can get caught up into our own endeavors that we allow our family to kind of become, you know, the background. And you do not want that. There's a mentor of mine, a gentleman by the name of Chris Holder, that he pours into me all the time. So B, what you're doing, you know, what you're doing with the lady? Because we talk so much on these goals as far as business, as far as life and such, but then he is so good at coming right back around. How are you incorporating your family? How are you making sure that you are still a husband instead of this business builder? 
you're still a dad instead of this guy going out pursuing all these aspirations. Don't allow those things to fall to the wayside and you're going to be that great dad and that great leader in your life, in your, in your household. Man, I absolutely love that. So what advice kind of following up with that, would you give the men who want to become a better dad? Becoming a better dad. Don't tell your kids to do it. If you're not exemplifying it, don't go out and, and do something and expect your kids to not follow your lead. You are, you are, you are being that example. So whatever you want your children to be, however you want your children to act. If you have a daughter, whatever type of man you want your daughter to attract, you need to be that. You need to exemplify that. And when you can be that man that you want your son to grow up to be, and you can be that man that you would like your daughter to attract, that's when you're doing your job as a, as a leader, as a father. And I definitely, all of us have work to do, but that's something that I remain more and more cognizant of as my children get older. Man, I absolutely love that. Uh, man, we've been on here for a while. I think this is one of the, the longer podcasts that uh, I've had the pleasure of doing. Uh, so as we wrap up here, tell us a little bit about your business, how people can connect with you and what your website is. Well, uh, my business name is Your Legacy Begins Now. So yourlegacybeginsnow.com. And on that website, you'll see a little bit about what I do in my coaching, what I do in my, my speaking, and just where my, heart is, where my heart is as far as the work that I do. Um, all of my social media is there. You can reach out to me there. You can find me on Facebook. Most of my social media handles are Your Legacy Begins Now. Uh, my business paid on, on Facebook is Your Legacy Begins Now. My personal page, Brian A. Street. You can reach me there, or if you're connected with Matt, scroll down his friends list, and I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> and you'll learn really quickly that lots of the things that you hear me say in, in this public space, you'll see me sharing in my private pages and such, because it, I'm just all about living it. If I'm going to talk it, I'm going to live it. Man, that just goes right back to that that authenticity. Can't say that word. That that you know, being exactly who it is that you say you are, saying stuff, and, and you know, not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. And I think that that is something that, as men, it, it's so easy to sit here and and tell our children how they should act, how they should behave, and and to pick up the toys to you know be nice and respectful to their mother, to you know, to not talk to certain people, to to wipe down the table and stuff like that. But if we're not willing to walk that walk, then we don't have anything. We were not, you know, we're, we're not doing that. And that's one of the things I love about who you are, Brian, you are, you're somebody who is authentic. You're somebody who, you know, it's great to sit down and have a conversation with, whether that's, you know, something as, as fun as, as fatherhood or something as deep as controversial fatherhood and some of the issues that are going around you know, all over the United States. So Brian, man, thank you so much for being on the wrestling with fatherhood podcast. I know you've given myself and anyone who's listening a lot to think about. Man, my absolute pleasure. I look forward to doing it again someday. And like I said, let me go get poured into so I can come back to you and pour out. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, if you would like a little bit more information about what Brian's all about, go check out his website, yourlegacybeginsnow.com. Uh, Brian just recently or is about to release his first uh, his first book. Uh, so that's definitely something you want to check out. It's uh, well, Brian, tell us a little bit about what that book is about. 
Well, I actually, I released my first ebook at the end of October of this past year. And um, it's actually, it's entitled Your Journey Towards Self-Actualization. So really helping people apply certain principles in life to take you from where you currently are to where it is that you seek to be. Because lots of us really don't, we don't know how to achieve certain things in life because we don't know which principles to apply to our lives. So um, that's my ebook. You can find it on my website. And I have a, um, I have a paperback book that's going to be coming out here very shortly within the first quarter of this year entitled up from the street so it's pretty much a pretty much a telling of my life and lots of the obstacles that i overcame but it's 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 being told through a retrospective lens so i'm looking at what coping mechanism that i actually applied throughout my life to get me from one stage to another and once i got into adulthood what principles of success that i apply to get me to where i currently am now Man, that's awesome. I love that. So go check out Brian's website, yourlegacybeginsnow.com. Again, yourlegacybeginsnow.com. Check out Brian's books. Uh, as you can hear from the podcast interview, you can hear from the, the Fatherhood Summit. You know, Brian is somebody who is not only talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. He's somebody who's very authentic. He's somebody who's very real. Uh, and he's just an all-around great guy. So go and check out his stuff. If you would like to learn a little bit more about what Wrestling with Fatherhood is all about, check out our website at www.fatherhood.com. Again, that's www.fatherhood.com. The WW stands for Wrestling with Fatherhood.com. www.fatherhood.com. Uh, also, make sure you check out the Summit of Fatherhood Facebook page. This is a Facebook page where uh, – Myself and Ray Matz from Game Changing Dads, uh, we're coming together and we want to encourage and support and inspire men to become better dads, to, to pour into their children, to not only talk the talk, but to walk the walk exactly with what Brian was saying. So definitely come and check that out. Again, that's Summit, Summit of Fatherhood Facebook page. So check that out. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys all have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.